right, folks, let's talk about what intuitive eating actually means. Because over time, uh, intuitive eating kind of became the thing that I'm quote unquote known for as a content producer. And the thing is that anytime you're trying to create a system, like I try to do in the strategies that I recommend if someone wants to quit macro tracking or rather propose a system, it's not like I invented anything new. I just presented some evidence-based practices there or give something a name, uh, be it intermittent fasting or intuitive eating or maximum recoverable volume or if you're giving out a soundbite like the one I threw out on a couple of occasions over recent times, which is the one food that I recommend you avoid is the food that regularly triggers you to overeat, which I'll probably do a podcast episode on soon. You're opening yourself up to A, criticism, as people are finding loopholes in your logic or your consistency in the message you're bringing forward. But more importantly, you're just opening up the door to a lot of questions. And you know, not only do I think that that's completely fine, but it actually helps me as a content producer to refine the message that I want to bring forward to you. So over recent times, I got a lot of questions about how I'm making sure that I that certain things are taken care of when I'm quote-unquote in, eating intuitively, such as eating enough protein, or how do I pull back if I went overboard on one day, or this and that. And you know, the more these questions came in, the more I realized that... I disliked the term intuitive eating for a reason, <laughs> because quite frankly, in 90% of the cases, what dictates my decision making, and I think this should be the case for pretty much anybody who wants to do this, is not intuition. You know, uh, I looked up before recording this, the Wikipedia definition of intuition is the ability to acquire knowledge without proof, evidence, or conscious reasoning, or without understanding how the knowledge was acquired. And the thing is that in the nutritional decisions that I make day to day, there is basically nothing that is not made based on my knowledge and based on the complete understanding of how that knowledge was acquired. In other words, my nutrition is ruled by very clear boundaries 90% of the time. I know what my body needs for one goal or another. And when I'm on my own devices, I just select foods and time my meals based on those constraints. And within that... I do allow for my taste and other personal preferences to dictate what I'm putting into my body. So really, the term that I'd most want to use to describe my eating style right now is autoregulatory eating or autoregulatory fitness nutrition or body composition-oriented eating with an autoregulatory override. Now, many people who are intuitive eating advocates will talk about the quote-unquote, internal wiring that we all have to select foods to eat and when to eat them, even if we don't have strict guidelines. And they will often refer to kids who will just intuitively select what they need based on their internal signals. And, you know, to some extent, that is true. You know, just this past weekend, I was in the zoo with my girlfriend and her nine-year-old cousin. And basically, the whole time she was trying to get him to finally eat something and he was just completely oblivious to the idea of ice cream and hot dog and all of that and eventually she could get him to eat some Burger King stuff uh, but you know he left like half of that behind and he's this skinny little kid. Uh, I'm sure many of you have um, many similar examples that come to mind so Yes, it is true that we all probably have a degree of internal wisdom, if you will, when it comes to food, and that in an ideal scenario, we would all be able to listen to this internal wisdom. 
The problem, however, is, is that most of us have spent a good number of years or at times decades wiping out this internal wisdom. So to take this kid as an example, probably by the time he will be 11, he will have learned at home and at school that he should not leave food behind and that we don't turn down a nice treat. And by the time he will be, say, 15, you can be damn sure that he will never pull away from ice cream or hot dog in disgust. So that's just the reality of the 21st century. And that's the reality of living in civilized societies. And unfortunately, this also means that by the time you are 20 or 25 or 30 and you're listening to an episode like this, the idea of just listening to your innate internal wisdom with no guidelines to dictate your day-to-day -day food choices is most likely not applicable. But, you know, still, when you contrast the type of nutritional knowledge-guided autoregulatory eating that I'm recommending with something like super precise macro tracking, where, you know, many people are not even aware of their hunger and satiety signals, compared to that, it is intuitive, if you will, because you're also listening to internal signals as opposed to solely external guidelines. Now, you might ask, what are the clear boundaries that I've been referring to so far? And um, so here they are. For one, I know in general which foods are energy dense and which foods aren't. I also know which foods contain protein and amongst those, which ones are those which have a lower or greater protein to calorie ratio. I also know from experience which foods are those that I do like, but also satiate me very well. So sweet potatoes, for example, are something that I do like a lot, but they don't satiate me very much at all. Berries with cocoa powder and sweetener are something that I also like a lot and will also satiate me very nicely. Uh, by the way, I intentionally said the sweet potatoes as opposed to ice cream because sweet potatoes actually do satiate many people nice and well, but for me, they just don't quite uh, do it. And lastly, I also know my culprit foods, which are the foods that are hard for me to moderate. And basically, these are the foods which I'll, for one, basically never buy and keep in my fridge, but will sometimes have them if I'm eating out or when it's some special occasion. So these are the main guiding boundaries. Now, how this makes up an actual day-to-day -day nutrition, that's where experience and a little bit of almost art comes in. So I use my knowledge of energy density to guide my decisions related to getting in the right amount of fuel for myself. So I'll obviously have my protein for the day, which will typically be at least 150 grams. And depending on what my goal is or how the previous days went, I'll manipulate how lean those protein sources will be. Uh, if I'm maintaining or slowly gaining, then a good chunk of my protein sources will come from fattier options such as eggs, fatty fish, some dairy here and there. And that's sort of the baseline of my diet. And then I also use my knowledge of energy density of foods to manage my satiety. So if at the end of a meal, for example, I'm still hungry, then I won't be eating more of my full fat protein sources, but instead I'll just eat more fruits and veggies. Now, is there an element of intuitiveness to all of this? Sometimes, yes. So let's say that on a given day, I just feel wrecked. You know, my training session was a complete drag. I didn't have much energy throughout the day. I just felt crappy. Maybe on a day like that, I'll just say, okay, you know what? 
I'll just have a much higher carb feeding at night compared to what I'd normally have. Let's make sure that I'll get a killer crashed out sleep. And tomorrow, when I'll be feeling much more recovered and refreshed, I'll go more moderate on food because I'll actually be able to handle that that much better. Or say, all is seemingly going well, I've been sleeping fine, I'm not particularly hungry, but my libido is just tanked. Then maybe I'll think about my food intake the previous few days and think, wait a second, where was my fat intake at for the past several days? Oh, that's right. I was basically eating high protein and high carb meals almost exclusively and my fat intake was super low. So let's do a little bit of, if you will, fat loading for the next few days. So these things absolutely do happen, but this takes knowing oneself and having experience with this kind of a thing. And so to make this more illustrative, here is what you should know about my daily nutrition. Um, I don't track calories, I don't track my carbs, and for the most part, I don't track my fats, and I run a loose track of my protein intake. And basically, I've been doing this for about 11 months. Now, when people hear that I do track my protein, they will often say that it's really not true, that I'm not tracking things, which is, I guess it's true, but to me, honestly, it's such a zero effort investment. I mean, it comes down to a simple decision like, okay, so I have three eggs. Okay, so to have at least 30 grams of protein here, I'll have a bit of chicken too, or a bit of protein powder, or oftentimes it's not even that. I'll just look at a big piece of chicken breast and say, okay, that's at least 40 to 50 grams of protein. We're good. Or maybe in my last meal of the day, I do a 10 second add up about how much protein I, ha I had thus far, and I'll make sure that I hit at least X amount of protein in that meal. Really, the entire process throughout the day requires about one minute, and more importantly, zero stress. The other thing I've been accused of a lot is the idea that if you've been tracking for a long time, that then you really can't know, or you really can't not know where you are calorie-wise, and that you will never be eating truly ad libitum, so based on hunger and satiety signals. And to that, the response is, Yes, that's true to some extent, but at this point, I don't think about that at all. In fact, initially, indeed, this was a big challenge. And because then calorie tracking was something that I really wanted to consciously move away from, it actually took a conscious effort to move away from adding up numbers in my head while I was eating. You know, then just adding up the numbers was such an automated process that happened automatically whenever I was eating something that initially, it's kind of funny, but a little exercise that I basically needed to perform for the first few weeks of doing this was intentionally thinking about other numbers while I was eating. So anytime I would have noticed that my mind was wandering towards adding up the numbers in my head, I started saying in my head things like, okay, so 160 times 130, how much is that? Okay, so 100 times 100 is 10,000, etc. Now, this is no longer the case because that Pavlovian conditioning of me trying to add up the numbers in my head has already died off. Now, all that said, if I wanted to, I could tell you in a second how many calories I'm probably eating on average. I mean, if you've been in this game for long enough, you'll know how many calories you're eating simply from your body weight. I mean, I know that in the past, I could successfully cut with a reasonably active lifestyle on 2,400 calories and then... 2,000 calories was more of an aggressive cut, and then I could lean bulk on 31, 3,200 calories pretty well, and once I started to go over that, so maybe 34, 3,500 calories, then I started to put on more body fat. So, you know, 
If I have a period where I lose a bit of fat over the course of one or two weeks, I can pretty accurately tell you based on how much weight I lost, where my calories roughly were on average during that period. But that doesn't mean that I actively think about my numbers day to day. It's kind of like you always know that gravity is pulling you down, but it doesn't mean that anytime you're jumping up somewhere, you're thinking, Phew, I need to jump high because gravity is pulling me down by 9.8 meter divided by whatever second squared. Um, so I would say that I'm eating very much based on hunger and satiety signals and based on the good nutritional habits that I built up over time. So I'd like to close this discussion with two quotes. The first quote is coming from Sean Baker, who has made a bit of a name for himself as of recent times with his carnivorous diet. Maybe I'll try to get him on the podcast sometime, which I've heard him men mention on a podcast sometime. And it is, I don't care how people eat. You know, if you think that I, what I outlined here is not in any way superior to not doing it this way, that's fine. You know, if macro tracking works great for your psyche, that's also great. Also, if you think that what I outlined here is really not all that auto-regulating, it's not what it's presented to be, that's also fine. You know, I have my very good reasons for eating this way. If you're curious, uh, well, I did a close to an hour-long episode almost solely on outlining the reasons behind me quitting macro tracking, so I'd recommend you to check that one out. And this brings me to the second quote, which is something I just heard from Mike Isratel the other day on Steve Hall's podcast, which is, he said every, almost every single, if not every single training program should have an element of auto-regulation to it. You know, he was saying this on the topic of managing fatigue in your training program through auto-regulation. But similarly, I think that almost every nutritional approach should have an element of auto-regulation to it. So I would say that even if you're a hardcore macro tracker, there should be an element where you let your hunger and satiety signals to override things to a certain degree. So if you hit your macros, you adhered, you ate everything but no more of what you predetermined for yourself, but you just find yourself crazy hungry at night, I would say that you should eat more food. And the same goes, of course, for not overstuffing or force feeding yourself just because your macro calculator says so if you're not hungry. So guys, uh, that's my little speech on what intuitive eating really means to me. It's a cool, catchy name. It sounds good but it really doesn't describe the type of nutritional approach that I believe in. So from now on, we'll call this thing autoregulatory eating or something. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave a comment and subscribe if you watch this on YouTube. If you listen to this on iTunes, please leave a rating to help this stuff grow. SoundCloud and Podbeam, you can just follow me to be notified on future episodes. And to be a contributing member of this podcast, join the Sustainable Self-Development Facebook group where you can drop ideas about future podcasts. I very often ask my listeners for tips and advice on who to get on next. So if you're interested in getting into discussions like that, be sure to join the Facebook group. And if you don't want to go through the searching process, just click one of those links in the show notes slash video description. It is all there. All right. Thanks for hanging around up until now and see you next time.